1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20 to 23. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring them to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law to bring them to Christ. When I was with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too lived apart from the law to bring them to Christ. When I was with those who were weak, I shared their weakness to bring them to Christ. I became all things to all people, doing everything I could to reach some with the message and presence of Christ. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Spirit of Christ, Spirit of Truth, may you breathe life into these words. May you breathe life and wisdom and light into our minds and hearts as we practice the presence together. Amen. Well, Paul reveals a a number of important insights here on mission and outreach. But the first and most obvious one is this. There are different ways to reach different kinds of people. In fact, we have to use different ways to reach different kinds of people. How you reach Judeans with the message and presence of Christ will be different than how you reach Romans or Egyptians with the presence and message of Christ. That's what Paul is saying here. But Paul isn't just talking about tactics, about strategies. He's not just talking about what we do. He's talking about who we are. He's talking about being. He says we become. We become the kind of people who are relatable to the people that God has called us to reach. And the reason, the purpose in becoming relatable to the people that God is calling us to reach is so that the message and the presence of Christ flowing through us becomes relatable to the people God has called us to reach. And this is called incarnational ministry. That's a big word, incarnational. It simply refers to the incarnation, which is the heart of the gospel story, that the Son of God became a human being. Why? So that the message and presence of God could become relatable to us human beings. This is the ministry of incarnation that Christ extends to us, the church. Our call is to continue this incarnational ministry, to become relatable to the people God is calling us to reach so that the message and presence of God will become relatable to them. So incarnational ministry, in in essence, is this. We immerse ourselves fully into a culture so that we become relatable to the people, the culture that God is calling us to reach. For what purpose? I repeat, and I'll repeat it many times. You're going to remember this. We become relatable to the culture, to the people group that God has called us to reach so that the message and presence of Christ flowing through us becomes relatable to the people God has called us to reach. 
That's incarnational ministry. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Missionaries in India discovered that their constant call inviting people to be born again was actually hindering the message and presence of Christ from from being received by the Hindus that they were preaching the gospel to. And the reason it was hindering the gospel work is because they had been raised with this belief of reincarnation. You see, they believed they had been born again and again and again and again. Each life working out the karma that they had accumulated in previous lives. So the call to be born again was not good news. It wasn't news. It was was very old news. It was very familiar to them. And it wasn't good. It was actually the horrible condition that they were stuck in. The call to be born again was like, oh no. Because what they were really longing was to be set free from the call to be born again. Deliver us from this constant cycle of reincarnation. Set us free. And that is the essence of the message of Jesus, isn't it? We're set free. But these biblical words and phrases can get in the way of the essence of the message and the presence of Christ that is flowing through us. And so these missionaries adapted to the culture because they, they, first of all, they were present with the culture. They began to understand the culture. And then they adapted to become relatable. In essence, what they did was they got to know the culture, they adapted to the culture so that the good news of Jesus was actually received as good news to the people they were sharing it with. And the same is true for us today. If you were to go out into Stratford, 99.9% of the people, especially the people we've been talking about over the last two months, the nuns, the duns, the spiritual but not religious, if you were to go to proclaim to them, I've got good news for you, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, they're not going to receive that as good news. First of all, it's not news. They've heard it a million times. And everything about it is not good because it reminds them of all the things they dislike and mistrust about organized religion. And you're like, how can that be? That's a biblical phrase. It's like the born again thing. It's not about words. It's not about phrases. It's not about language. In fact, incarnational ministry is essentially about learning how to speak a different language so that we can make the essence, the presence, and the message of Christ flowing through us relatable to the people God has called us to reach. This is why Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, says Christ has qualified us as ministers. That's all of us. Qualified us as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills The Spirit brings life. The letter kills. The Spirit brings life. And and what happens with with many many Christians, many churches, is is we engage a ministry of the letter, of words, of phrases, of a certain way of speaking, a certain language. And that brings death. Because what we are called, we're not called to bring to the people in Stratford certain words and phrases that they need to understand and believe. We're called to the ministry of spirit. We're called to bring the spirit more accurately. We're called to be conduits for the living spirit of Christ to flow through to the people that God has called us to reach and engage. That's our call. Yet it's so tempting to return to the idolatry of language Churchianity, Christianese, you know what I'm talking about. Insisting, no, these Indians must understand, they must be born again. 
You're missing the point. Idolatry 101. We are called to the ministry of spirit. The greatest example of incarnational ministry, of course, is Jesus. The Logos, the eternal Christ, the wisdom of God made flesh and dwelt among us. The Son of God became one of us, became human. Why? So the presence and message of God could be recognizable, could be relatable to us. We could see it. We could hear it. We could touch it. We could be hugged and embraced by it. That's the essence of incarnational ministry. That's what we are called to. And what's interesting is it was the outsiders, the people judged by the insiders, the church, the religious people. It was the poor, the lepers, the prostitutes, the drunkards. They were the ones who recognized and were able to relate to the presence and message of God that was flowing through Jesus of Nazareth. They were the ones who were able to relate to it. And it was the insiders, the, the religious people, who resisted it, rejected it, and condemned it. And it's the same today. In order for us to engage in incarnational ministry, we must lose our religiosity. That's me in the corner. That's me in the spotlight. I'm losing my religion. Yeah. Losing our religiosity. Here are the, the two signs that we can use to kind of determine and test whether we are engaging in incarnational ministry or not. The first sign is this. Those people outside the church will begin to relate to what we're doing. We'll begin to relate to the message that we are proclaiming. They'll begin to relate to the presence of God that is flowing through us. The second test is this. The religious, the real churchy, you know, the people who are still pledged allegiance to churchianity, they will reject what we are doing. They will resist what we are doing. They will condemn what we are doing. If we follow the Spirit, if we actually do what we're talking about, there will be resistance. There will be rejection. There will be condemnation. We'd be fools to think there won't be. Name one movement of God where there wasn't resistance and rejection and condemnation by the religious. I mean, Jesus. Did he just go around doing his ministry and it was just smooth sailing? No. Hey, I'm with God. I'm doing what the Spirit of God is revealing, so obviously there's not going to be any rejection or resistance. Of course not. The early church. Oh, we're in tune with the Spirit of God, so obviously it's going to be smooth sailing. There'll be no rejection. There'll be no resistance or condemnation. Of course not. They were killed, right? There's a, there's a common theme when you follow the Spirit. Some of you get killed. Our Anabaptist origin story, the beginning of the Mennonite tradition. Was it just smooth sailing? Hey, we're going to follow the Spirit. No, we were killed. Rejection, resistance, condemnation. The same is true today. Now, I don't know how many of us will be killed. You know, the kids are like, wait a second, what's going on here, right? I don't think any of us are going to be killed, but maybe our reputations will be. There will be a price. There will be sacrifice. There always has been. There always will be. And this is what kills mission. This is what kills vision, is when we think, oh, everything's good. Because at first, it's usually exciting. We all get excited, and we're, oh, we're going to move with the Spirit. And then all of a sudden, there's resistance and rejection, maybe by someone we really love and respect, the real churchy person, someone who, who has a lot of status, 
I mean, they're usually the ones that resist and reject and condemn. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Are we really doing the right thing? Of course we are. That is actually one of the tests that we are engaging in incarnational ministry. Let us not be discouraged. Let us be encouraged by the resistance, the rejection, and the condemnation. It's got to come. It will come. It's evidence that we're actually following the Spirit. Can you get, can you get that? Can you get that? Yes. So Paul says we become in order to reach. Now is Paul talking about pretending to be like other people so that they can relate to us? Like if we're trying to reach people who are into hip-hop, so we kind of try and get into a hip-hop mode so they can relate to us. Yeah, I listen to hip-hop, you know, when it's obvious we, we, we are not hip-hoppy at all. And the fact that we say hip-hoppy already is just kind of like, okay, <laughs> right? No. That's not incarnational ministry. That is, that is manipulation. That is being a poser. Incarnational is actually about entering into a deeper level of authenticity. That's what this is about. And that deeper level of authenticity, is, there's two ways we are called to deeper level of authenticity. The first is this, a deeper level of spiritual integrity. And what that means is we walk the talk. We smoke what we're selling. You know what I'm saying? For those of you who don't, whatever. Let's move on. <laughs> we walk the talk. Let's just stick with that analogy. It means... What it essentially means is this, that this presence of God we're talking about is not something out here that we're like, here's the presence of God and we're just pointing people to this. The presence of God is, 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 is an energy, a reality that is flowing through our lives to them. We are part of the equation. The medium is the message Clayton is always reminding us, right? It's not the, the presence of God out here somewhere. It's the presence of God that is flowing through our lives and is evidenced by the transformation that is happening in our lives. It's not just pointing to the teachings of Jesus. Hey, you should listen to Jesus and, and obey what he says. It's, it's that the teachings of Jesus have become a part of our lives. They're part of who we are. And they're transforming us at, even as we are sharing them with others. That's what it means to have spiritual integrity. That's the deeper level of authenticity. Because, you know, people have really good BS radars today, especially when it comes to authority and religion. And they can smell if you have a ministry of letters and words rather than a ministry of spirit. They can tell if you're just talking. But they can also tell when there's substance there. When You know what? That person was talking about Jesus and normally that really makes me want to puke. But when that person was talking, I don't know. There was something there. There was a depth there. That's the first level the first way that we are called to a deeper level of authenticity to engage in incarnational ministry. The second is this. We are becoming our true selves. We are becoming who we really are. We're comfortable in our own skin. We know who we are, and we have nothing left to prove because we know who God has created us to be, and we're imperfect. But in, the, in that imperfection, we know we are loved and approved and valued by God, and that is all that matters. So we're not caught up in, in the game that everyone else is caught up in. And most of us are caught up in that game as well. You know, every, every encounter with another human being is, is, is kind of a confrontation, really, where we begin playing those games, where we start to, how are they perceiving me? How am I measuring up? Well, how are those other people thinking that I'm talking to these people? We, we're, we're making judgments on them and how they're different than us and how they don't measure up to us, all the while 
fearing how they're judging us and how we don't measure up. All these games, all these things that we are preoccupied with in our minds when we encounter other human beings. It happens to all of us, sometimes on a subconscious level. We're not even aware of it. But what it does is it prevents us from being fully present with that person. It's only the person who is operating from true self, who God has created them to be. That, that, that precious soul that God loves and values and accepts as they are. It's our inner Fanny Crosby, you know, just as I am. We're just who we are, and we know that God is just smiling upon us and nothing else matters. Oh, this person doesn't like me? Who cares? They don't even know who they are, let alone who I am. And when we can be operating from our true self, then we become fully present with God and that other person. And in that moment, we create freedom, we create space for them to discover and become who they truly are. And that is such a beautiful gift. I mean, have you met someone who, maybe you've just met them, and yet there's some kind of energy emanating from them, and you just feel like all the pretense, all the pretending, all that, the games that we usually play when we encounter other human beings, just fade away, and you can just be who you are. Have you met someone like that? Those are amazing human beings. We want to be with those people. That's why people wanted to be with Jesus. I mean, the multitudes were just trying to get around this guy because they could just be their true self, who they were. I mean, that's our deepest desire, to be fully known, to be fully accepted and fully loved. That's what we all want. And that's what it means to be relatable. It doesn't mean we like hip-hop because they like hip-hop or we have the same hobbies. What it means is that their true self can actually relate to us. That's what it means to be relatable to others. So those are the two levels of authenticity that are required to be engaged in incarnational ministry. Well, time is precious this morning, so I want to come back to what we've been talking about the past two months. Uh, Four weeks ago, I talked about our big why. Why do we exist as a church? Why do we exist? And the answer is, is essentially this. We exist to help people encounter God's presence and grow in God's presence. We don't just want them to meet God's presence. We want them to grow in God's presence and live in God's presence and become their true self, become the person God has created them to be. That's why we exist. Three weeks ago, I talked about our who. Who do we exist for? And we talked about our our missional focus from day one, Avon Mennonite Church, 1950 had a very specific call to a specific group of people. And the last 18 months, the spiritual leadership team has been discerning who is this specific group of people that God is calling us to reach with the presence and message of Christ flowing through us for the time and place we find ourselves. The spiritual leadership team has discerned a specific group that we sense God is calling us to. And I use the Acts chapter 16 where, where Paul has this vision of a Macedonian. We've called it our Macedonian call where God has revealed to us this group of people that we are called to reach with the message and presence of Christ flowing through us. And essentially, to, to boil it down is difficult. And, and if you want a longer description, go listen to the message. It's on our podcast because I spend the whole message describing these people. How I would... Describe these people in one paragraph. 
These people have little interest in church. They mistrust religion. Some of them have left the church. Some of them have never gone to church. Some of them are actually in the process of leaving and checking out. They mistrust organized religion, and they are questioning conventional Christian theology. And this is the fastest-growing religious demographic in Canada as well. But here's the thing. They're spiritually hungry. They're spiritually hungry. So we call these people the spiritual but not religious. The spiritual but not religious. It's the spiritual but not religious people in Stratford. That's the people group. That's the tribe that God is calling Avon to reach with the message and presence of Christ that is flowing through us. So the next question is how? Okay, how do we reach them? If, if we think about incarnational ministry, how do we become relatable to the spiritual but not religious people in Stratford so that the message and presence of Christ flowing through us becomes relatable to the spiritual but not religious people in Stratford? You with me? That's the question. I'm going to repeat it. How do we, be, as a faith community, how do we become relatable to the spiritual but not religious people in Stratford so that the message and presence of Christ becomes relatable to them? That's the question, and here's the answer. Committing to evaluate everything we do and make all decisions in light of whether it helps us or hinders us from making the message and presence of Christ relatable to the spiritual but not religious people in Stratford. It's a long sentence, so I'm going to read it again so it can soak in. Here's how we fulfill our mission focus and our vision. By committing to evaluating everything we do and making all our decisions based on whether it helps us or hinders us in making the presence and message of Christ relatable to the people God has called us to reach, the spiritual but not religious people. Do you understand? I'm not asking you to agree yet, but do you understand? That's how we, in fact, we cannot fulfill our vision. We cannot fulfill what, at least what the leadership teams feel is our God-given focus unless we respond by doing exactly that. So what that means is what kind of, what kind of messages will we present that will make the message and presence of Christ relatable to spiritual but not religious people in Stratford? What kind of Songs will we worship with that will help make the presence and message of Christ relatable to the spiritual but not religious people in Stratford? What kind of coffee will we serve that will make the presence and message of Christ relatable to the spiritual but not religious? It'll probably be fair trade is what I'm assuming by that. What kind of space will we meet in that will help make the message and presence of Christ relatable to the spiritual but not religious, everything, everything we measure in light of, is it helping us or hindering us from fulfilling the vision and missional focus that God has given us? That's the only way. Now, Acts 16, where Paul has this Macedonian call, has a vision. 
And he's led to Macedonia. And so him and his group, they go to Macedonia and, and they go to Philippi, which is one of the major cities, the urban centers in Macedonia. And they are led outside the city on the Sabbath to a river because they discern that's where spiritual people hang out. So they go out to this river and sure enough, there's a, a group of women. There's women there praying and there's a particular woman named Lydia. She's in the purple clothing industry. Lydia. And what the text reveals is that God has been preparing the mind and heart of Lydia for the message and presence of Christ that is flowing through Paul and his group. And when they meet, something happens. Lydia is transformed, not only her, but her whole household. And she begins a movement, a Christ movement in that area. Paul, it's actually Thyatira. She goes back to Thyatira to, to begin this movement. Paul commissions her after, after spending time teaching her how to practice the presence. That's what this is about. You see, the same time that, that Paul is being called by God to Macedonia, God is preparing the heart and mind of Lydia. The Macedonian call is not about Paul and his group. It's about Lydia. Our vision... Our mission is not about us. It's about the Lydias in Stratford who God has been preparing for the message and presence of Christ that is flowing through us. But Lydia will never receive the message and presence of Christ flowing through us until we're actually present with her and until we become relatable to her. That's what Paul's talking about, incarnational ministry. Because until we become relatable, then the message and presence of Christ flowing through us is not relatable. For most people, they assume that the message and presence of Christ flowing through us is that same old thing that they have rejected, that they mistrust. That's why the key step of incarnational ministry is we become relatable. Then the message and presence of Christ flowing through us becomes relatable. Now, have you noticed that I've used a certain phrase repeatedly, almost ad nauseum, the message and presence of Christ flowing through us. It has to be flowing through us. And here's the good news. It is. It is flowing through us. Not every, not every church can say that. Some churches really are spiritually dead. They really just get together to do whatever they do. The foundational piece of the spirit movement is already happening the Spirit of God is alive and at work in our midst. I mean, do you sense it? I see it. I see it in so many of you. And I see it spreading, actually. I mean, last week, Gerald and Grace sharing, witnessing to the fact that the miracle-working, healing, renewing, restoring Spirit of God is at work in our community. Were you here? That was a really lame reaction. Yes, yes. Yes, the Spirit of God is still doing miracles. Come on! The Spirit of God is at work in our midst. Amen. There we go. <laughs> this morning, Lois sharing. The Spirit of God is at work in Lois. And I could go, so many of you, I see the Spirit of God at work. Now, as Campbell says, it's time to take it to the streets, Right? but it involves us becoming relatable to the people we are taking it to. 
One last thing. I mean, Jesus is our example of incarnational ministry. In Philippians 2, 7, we read about the incarnation. I mean, the, the theological term is kenosis. I like to call it ketosis for the soul. <laughs> it's, it's an emptying. Kenosis is just a fancy word really for emptying. Christ emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in human likeness. That's the incarnation. But there's more to it than that. But let, Actually, let's pause there. What does it mean to empty yourself? I mean, Jesus also talks about it in different ways. You must die every morning. Let's translate that. Get over yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. Every morning, wake up, look in the mirror, and get over yourself. It's not about you. Your life is not about you. My life is not about me. Churchianity has sold us this lie that church is about me and meeting my needs. I go to church because it's about meeting my Go read through the Gospels and see when the disciples start focusing on themselves and see how Jesus responds to that. Is it gracefully and gently? Two ways Jesus responds to that. He either ignores it or he lays on a rebuke pretty hard. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about responding faithfully to the call of the Spirit and becoming relatable to the Lydia's in Stratford. Empty yourself. Get over yourself. But then it's even more intense as we keep reading in Philippians 2. Christ not only became like us, a human being, but Christ sacrificed himself, his own needs, his very life for the sake of others. We have to sacrifice. Not just that other person. Yeah, that, that guy better sacrifice so we can do this. You, me. Without sacrifice, there is no incarnational ministry. There is no following the Spirit into movement. Read through the history books. Read through the scriptures. When has the Spirit of God ever led anyone into mission into the world and there hasn't been sacrifice? Personal sacrifice. Read Paul's testimony. I mean, his list of things. I mean, I've been shipwrecked. I've been stoned. I've been beaten. I've been put in prison. Why? For the sake of Christ and the sake of the people God has called me to reach with the message and presence of Christ flowing through me. Until we adopt that, I mean, if it's just words, we are that church that all those people are rejecting. On Thursday, we have a meeting. It's an important meeting. Because the first decision we're going to make is, do we actually mean this? Are we actually willing to make sacrifices? Personally, but, but as a congregation, together, are we willing to sacrifice to faithfully respond to the call of the Spirit and to be relatable to the Lydias in Stratford, who God has been preparing for the message and presence of Christ flowing through us?